Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Godzilla Pod War Hour. You join us on a very important episode of the program. We will be discussing Godzilla, King of the Monsters, 2019. In a way, one of the more important and definitely one of the more anticipated episodes in the history of the podcast. Uh, with us, as always, Mr. Nathan Allen Bear. Uh, Nathan, say hello, sir. Hello, Mr. Yeah. Kelly. Yes. Good, good to you once again. Yes, yes, once again. And joining us this evening, a very special guest. I've known him almost my entire life. Uh, <laughs> of course, I'm discussing uh, my brother, my big brother, Ben Kelly, making his uh, podcast debut uh, right here, right now, everybody. Ben, how's it going? Hi, everyone. Glad to be here. So, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, any just very, you know, what's your your, your take on this, just very briefly? I mean, do you guys think this is a success or a failure or something in between? Mike, uh, I just want to say that um, no movie really has an excuse to be less entertaining than the Detective Pikachu movie. Right. No excuse. <laughs> That, okay. That, there's my. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, loud, got you loud and clear there, Nate. And uh, Ben, thoughts on this just initially? Uh, just in the broad strokes, yeah, uh, I would say it was. Uh, uh, it was it was a bit of a disappointment. Yeah, a bit of a disappointment. I went in with high hopes. I thought it had a great trailer. Great trailer. Uh, a couple great trailers actually. Um, and this was one of my more anticipated movies of the summer. It looked like just like a big, fun summer movie. I hyped myself up a little too much for it, maybe. Maybe that's on me. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, um, just my initial sort of uh, reaction, spoiler-free, a bit of a disappointment. Yeah, felt, felt a little flat, uh, shorter than I would say uh, – I would put it below uh, the 2014 and um, Kong Skull Island. You brought up spoilers, and since this is such a new movie, uh, we're going to try to keep this front section as spoiler-free as possible and then have a little musical interlude as we uh, are prone to do. And then in the back half, we'll get into total spoiler territory. So uh, if you just kind of want to know what we thought about it, I would agree with that. Uh, it is really just in many ways, just a modern blockbuster uh, in all the most generic ways you can take that with Godzilla and Mothra and Rodan and King Ghidorah just just dropped into it. And, um, and not to mention a guest appearance by Snuffy from Sesame Street. Snuffleupagus, it does come in. Uh, he, they call him Behemoth, but it's, it's definitely Snuffy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was released May 31st. Uh, 2019. It was directed by a gentleman by the name of Michael Doherty, who made a very good movie called um, Trick or Treat uh, several years two ago. Very good, got, two very good mm, movies. Yeah, well, I'm getting to that. Uh, Krampus is also, <laughs> you know, a, a, a delight. Uh, but Excellent Brian movie. Cox. Krampus. I want to talk about Brian Cox for 40 minutes. I can't talk, to, talk about him at all. We have to move on immediately. But he's in Trick or Treat. He's amazing. Um... <laughs> And then, yeah, he made Krampus. Michael Doherty did, not Brian Cox. But um, so two very good movies, fun sort of monster movies and like 
effective. Like good, like good monster movies. Yes, which is rare. <laughs> yeah, it's like, so rare. Yeah. These are the <laughs> monster is. movies you'd watch and be like, "Hey, finally, someone who made a good monster movie." What a weird thing to happen. He directed it. It's not an enviable seat to find yourself in. In you know, to be guiding one of these two hundred million dollar things, but you know, he pulled the short straw. <laughs> So, what can you do? Uh, it's produced by Thomas Toll, uh, Brian Rogers, uh, amongst others. Michael Doherty wrote the screenplay along with someone named Max Shields. Uh, but the story was by Max Bornstein, uh, Bornstein, who I believe he wrote the 2014 story. And I think he had story credit on Kong Skull Island. So, he's sort of like kind of the behind-the-scenes architect uh, for this whole thing. Um, and of course, the cast is insane, as it was in Skull Island, and they barely have anything to do, uh, like in the previous two films. Um, Kyle Chandler is Dr. Mark Russell in this film. Um, he was great in Early Edition in the 1990s, uh, which was a television show, not a movie. And he was—he's been in a ton of stuff. He—he's basically playing kind of the blockbuster version of his character uh, at, from *The Spectacular Now*, where he was the drunk dad. So, and he's fine, I guess. A bit one note. Uh, Vera Faminga is in it. She was in *Up in the Air* with George Clooney. She's in a lot of great stuff. Uh, Millie Bobby Brown is aka 11 which we're just gonna call 11 i mean i'll call her 11 you guys call her whatever you want i'm not gonna say millie bobby brown every time because that's silly uh i'll just be thinking about bobby brown the whole time and more specifically the (laughs) ghostbusters 2 song and i'm already thinking about ghostbusters 2 all the time anyways janos You don't need another reason to think about exactly. is what you're saying. Exactly. Yeah. I, yeah. So, um, so yeah, Eleven's in it. She has hair this time. So it's like Dove Men Plus Care. This is like Eleven Plus Hair. It's fine. Uh, Bradley Whitford is in this. He's been keeping it dangerously real since Billy Madison, where he was like Adam Sandler's nemesis in that. He's one of my favorite character actors, and I will watch anything with him. He was in The West Wing. He was in fucking RoboCop 3. He's he's amazing. He was the father in Get Out. Cabin in the Woods. Got Ca- oh, Cabin in the Woods? Like, yeah. it's so good. Um, him and Ken Watanabe, they understand, and I think David Stratham, they understand, like, the tone of this movie, and they, they get it. Um, let's see. Charles Dance. Very significant for me, and I think possibly you as well, Ben, that Charles Dance is in this movie because, if you recall, he was the bad guy from The Last Action Hero, and part of his plot was to get the torn movie ticket and go into the movie King Kong and and release King Kong and use him as a weapon. He discusses that towards the end of that film. If you recall, <laughs> I uh, I need to re I need to revisit that movie. Um, yeah, I was, he actually was does excited. that in this movie. He, <laughs> he actually when I like saw Kong is one of the Titans. I saw the trailers for this movie and I saw that he was in it. The and I don't know if you guys thought this. Um, my thought was, oh, 
that's old Tom Hiddleston from Kong Skull Island, you know, because that that would that would actually make sense because they would be about that age. And I got like unnecessarily excited. I was like, oh, that's (laughs) dope. They're bringing him in. Yeah. You know, it's going to be cool. And oh, I mean, again, this is this is me seeing things I want to see in trailers that aren't there. And then I get to the movie, and it's like, oh, he's just a bad guy from a Steven Seagal movie. Cool. Um, whatever. Yeah. A lesser <laughs> Steven Seagal movie. Right. And not, not, not even one of the good Steven Seagal movies. One of the it's ones like, where he's, like, sitting half the time. Oh, he's <laughs> seated Seagal. He's just doing, he's just doing the cash-in Charles dance. Yeah. Like, uh, like when you see him, and if you're like, oh, I guess he's going to be one of those guys. And he is. He's like, oh, cool. So the version well, of... No. Uh, it's, it's, it's so the whole tired. idea of like, oh, you watch Game of Thrones. This is the bad guy from Game of Thrones. Give us yeah. that. That's. I'll say this movie does have what I'll call. Um, I'm going to call it nice boy fan service. <laughs> so the the idea is that a nice boy is that type of cretin that you know thinks in terms of like, well, I held the door open for her while she left the building. Therefore, I deserve sex. Yes. This movie runs on the idea like, up, oh, we name drop the oxygen destroyer, huh? We put in the bad guy from Game of Thrones. Oh, we we put in Rodan. Give us money. Like right. that's sort of a house of cards. Total, but yeah. like totally empty and devoid of any like effective Exactly. anything. They're just name dropping things. It's attempted fan service that comes off almost like easter eggs. Uh, which I think, if you're not a Godzilla fan, would just cause confusion. Yes. Because um, I know I've read reviews where people have been talking about stuff in the movie, and we'll we'll get to it, but they're like, you know, what was that? That didn't make any sense. Like, what? They're what? And, like, they're basically, they're talking about things that were just sort of thrown out as references to either things from other movies or whatever, <laughs> characters from other movies. And if you don't know those characters, you don't know those things. You don't know those name drops. It is, like, just roll with it, I guess. Someone named Aisha Hines, who was uh, Colonel Foster in the film. She does a fine job. Uh, Zhang Zi of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, apparently plays twins in this film. Who knew? Uh, Not me, the first time I saw it. I've seen it twice, by the way. Um, And O'Shea Jackson Jr. is is also in this film as well, and he does a fine job. Does a fine job. A music by Bear McCready, who did the music to the God of War series, and you can really tell. I don't know, man. Like, uh, the only time I noticed the music in this movie is when they had the music from the original Godzilla and, like, Mothra that song. That during the credits? Yeah. That only play- during the Yeah, that they were, like, too <laughs> bashful to play in in its entirety in a non-sort of mutilated way during the actual film. Like, they kind of right. th- threw us a bone during the credits. It's like, okay, here's a non-whacked-out version. And so... Hollywood, I think, is afraid of score or, like, afraid of, I don't know, melodies in their music. They prefer it just to be this percussive, just slop (laughs) or something. I don't know. I don't know. You bring up a good point. You do feel like, you know, themes. uh, What happened to themes? I was watching Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade last night, and, like, there are, like, just, like, 
to the like the actions, the set pieces, and the fights and everything. There's little like you know, changes with the music and like you know, and Indiana Jones like gets the upper hand. The Indiana Jones theme kicks in, and you you know these kinds of things like you don't really get that with like modern day blockbusters. It's a lot of just sort of like background filler stuff, you know, um, just like the bold themes. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so and this is certainly doesn't buck that trend in any way between a hundred and seventy and two hundred million dollar budget and thus far and it's been out for a couple of weeks now uh it is grossed three hundred uh and one point six million dollars so i think it came in number one the first week and possibly the second week uh at the box office but i may be wrong about that no just the first week it was replaced by like whatever the Aristocats live action remake or whatever the fuck. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's the complete Carly title, by the way. Yeah, uh, Aristocats remake or what? What the fuck? <laughs> or what? The, or what the fuck? Uh, with. See, that's the one where they actually did bring back Gilbert Godfrey, even though he wasn't in the original Aristocrats. Uh, Aristocats. Tim Burton and uh, yeah. Tim, Tim Burton's Coke it. dealer presents. Uh, they'll still make a billion. Everybody wants a billion. Uh, so I think we gotta. I think we gotta. You know. Yeah. So you know. You know the kind of person you are. If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably going to see it. Um, we got to shut her down for for a musical interlude, but and, and we're going to get into heavy spoiler territory. But this movie happened, and we're all just trying to make sense out of it. Long live the king. <laughs> Our world is changing. The mass extinction we feared has already begun and we are the cause we are the infection but like all living organisms the earth unleashed a fever to fight this infection its original and rightful rulers, the Titans. For thousands of years, these creatures have remained in hiding around the world. And unless all the Titans are found, our planet will perish, and so will we. They are the only guarantee that life will carry on.
serve the king. And now, boys and girls, we're going to dissect the plot. Except for you, Margaret, you can prune a tree. Thank you, Nate, for that extremely obscure reference to the Paul Lind Halloween special. <laughs> uh, it might still be Wilbur. on YouTube. <laughs> Wilbur, um, meet me in the back. We're going to make bacon together. <laughs> that is not from the Paul Lind Halloween special that I know of. Um, okay, great. So... The movie starts, and some monsters fight, and then it pretty much wraps up. And eh, maybe you should check it out, I guess. Yeah. And that's the show, everybody. Thanks for listening. Yeah. And Good night, everyone. Uh, Good night, everyone. <laughs> Sweet release. Um, oh, okay. Well, the first thing I have issue with in this movie is that the opening is really reminds me... In, in the wrong way of uh, Batman versus Superman Dawn of Justice because it's like a Warner Brothers movie, first of all. Uh, but it's also like a recap of the end of, of the last film, but from a slightly different angle with sort of different characters and like someone from their inner circle being killed or maimed or whatever and then looking vengefully up at in that movie it was Superman it was Ben Affleck looking at Superman in this movie it's I guess um, Kyle Chandler and Vera Firminga because their kid has been killed basically it's the end of Godzilla 2014 and um, I guess Godzilla accidentally knocked a a rock down on uh, their son uh, and killed him And, and they're sort of just looking vengefully up at him sadly and when i saw that i was like that immediately put me into the bvs doj headspace which is not a great place to be (laughs) jumping off from this felt like the lazy way to remake gamma 3 revenge of iris because if you remember that movie starts off um uh with uh, a perspective of a battle between uh gauss and gamma Fighting, but from the perspective of a woman who sees her family killed as part of the collateral damage in between uh, the fighting between Gamera and Gauss. So she sees Gamera as a bad guy. Now, that was a well-detailed opening. This, it, it just seemed like a steady, like, long take where it's like, I'm assuming... They're in the rubble from 2014, and someone has died, I guess. Maybe. One's holding a baby, the other one's holding a flashlight, and uh, yeah. So the the setup for my take on it was, oh, it's just like the other Godzilla movie I just watched, where it's a a family, it was the um, the wife died, Uh, Brian Cranston's wife died, so it's a family that suffered a tragedy, and then monsters it's just a different version of the same story you know what i mean yeah Yeah. i I didn't even think about that i didn't think of that because i can't remember anything from godzilla 2014 so (laughs) a lot of the reviews i've been listening to and stuff everyone is like 
was Revere Farmiga and Kyle Chandler in, in the other Godzilla movie? And it's like, may, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> right. I know. Lots of people think they might have been characters in that other movie. It's the post-human blockbuster. <clears throat> so, like, that, you know, people don't remember the characters. We kind of cut from that to... I don't think there's any opening titles, or they might say Godzilla King of the Monsters really quick. And we cut to a scene of Eleven and uh, Dr. Russell, uh, Vera Firminga, um, whose name is Emma. Uh, She's like, they're at a house. It looks like a suburban setting. It's like in the morning, they're making breakfast and... You know, burning uh, breakfast. Uh, Eleven, yeah, Eleven has uh, toast and bacon and stuff, and she's like on her computer, her laptop, talking to uh, Kyle Chandler's character, and you get that there's some distance b- between them now. That as a family unit, mm-hmm. they have been shattered, and to the extent where it's like it does seem like Eleven is kind of sneaking to like speak to her her father. So you can right. tell something has happened there. So she's sending her dad an email saying, I'm worried about mom. Yeah, I wrote um, that down specifically. That, that's sort of the, the, yeah. <laughs> this opens up a lot for me as far as like, we'll get back to this, but in this first scene at least, what we're getting as an audience is that Eleven is worried about her mom because she's been acting weird lately. And she's telling this to her dad in a way mm-hmm. that, you know, it doesn't seem like she would have any reason to be lying to him as events, you know, lay out, um, you know, or unfold later in the film. So it's mm-hmm. this is something we're going to have to come back to because it's it's a bit of a paradox. It doesn't really make any sense. So um, yeah. <laughs> and then Vera from Mega comes in. She burns the toast or whatever. Eleven burns the toast. And they're like, ah. and then there's tremors or whatever and it pulls out and you see that they are at outpost 61 uh i think in the amazon or something no they're uh, in china in china right thank you yeah, Nate. they're in china and that's the whole thing it's like oh they're not in the right. suburb right they're in a jungle right oh, i thought those were like aztec pyramids um it's confusing <laughs> china and i believe that's the connection to um uh, what's your name from House of Flying uh, Daggers? Yes, Zhang Zhang Zi Zi, one of the uh, twins. Yeah, because you know they they drop hints that uh, you know she's one of the Mothra twins. Uh, again, more nice boy, or nice guy, whatever fan service. Right. Just you know, just like aha, aha, we put that in there. You can give us money now. Um. And it's it's the first time we see one of these outposts, and it's Outpost 61 because uh, the movie Mothra came out in 1961. Um, this happens throughout the movie. Um, it's sort of a lazy Easter egg type thing. Um, and, you know, we do some catching up stuff. We see Kyle Chandler. He's out in Colorado taking pictures of wolves or something. First there's like a, a, a hearing or whatever of uh, Monarch is at like on Capitol Hill and it's like they really are exposing light and focusing on Monarch in a way which makes it actually more confusing because it's it, it the way it's seated is sort of like Monarch is at one it looks like a trial where like Monarch is the prosecution and by Monarch I mean Ken Watanabe, Sally Hawkins and uh, the dude from Silicon Valley, Thomas Middleditch who I guess is in this film don't really want to talk about him. Um, 
and uh, and on the other side is David Stratham, who is a, a major or actually an admiral now, uh, and a couple other military uh, personnel or whatever. And it's the way the scene is staged. At least it looks like the military versus monarch for supremacy or whatever and then you know you have like the senate judiciary committee like grilling them about stuff and uh very well, confusing well, my, i i think we've we've passed a, a kind of a significant moment please um but we, we oh wait a minute does mothra wake up mothra, oh yeah yeah mothra sorry wakes up. yeah please. i know uh here mothra so sorry rewind um does they mothra go wake up in that first scene Yes, she does. Yes, she does. First scene. Sorry. Um, it immediately starts banging against metal. That's what these new movies are about. It's just bang, bang, bang. You know, you know, you, you can't. I guess people aren't happy unless their eardrums are exploding. Anyways, um, and then um, what's your name? Uh, and Eleven take this uh, box called the Orca and use it to calm Mothra down via communication. Well, yes. hold on a minute. You're, you're, we, we, we have to talk about their, their amazing plan here. To So they know Mothra is going to be born. Yes. And Mothra is born into this like very small like space where they've crammed a bunch of people. Okay. And the second Mothra is born, like they surround him. And this is Mar- uh, Mothra in it, the I guess the caterpillar Larval. form or yeah. larva form. Okay, it's not the big moth yet. There's no wings. So it's immediately surrounded by lasers. Uh, like imprisoning it, like you know, so it just like it from can't Saw, even move. from Saw and, Eight, the end of Saw Eight, when they had the laser yeah, collar yeah. thing. So like it, it's born, <laughs> it looks around, it's in this tiny cave, surrounded by guys with guns, and lasers like put it in a, like a tiny little prison, and it like somehow against all odds freaks the fuck out and right. like starts like you know panicking and they're like what we didn't think this would happen, <laughs> and all hell breaks loose. And yeah, so uh, right, the whole thing with the orca, which is this little thing the size of a laptop, which I guess makes the monster sounds, or it sounds like a predator or an alpha or something. You know, um, she runs up to you know program it or whatever and send out the signal to calm Mothra down, and it doesn't work for like a like it doesn't work at first. So like her daughter. Eleven, whose name is Madison, runs out to like help her. Like I need to be there, Ma. Like she runs out to like it's like you just you can't even make fucking toast. Like what are you gonna do? <laughs> you know. <laughs> and um, all because she burnt that toast. Anyway, they get the dumb thing to work, and you know she mellows out. But well, whatever. So go ahead. Yeah, and then uh, Charles Dance comes in and shoots everybody with his team of like oh that that's that that's right so so the laser thing like all their fail safes shut down that's what it was yeah and they're like yeah the the one the guy's like we're out we've lost control something's not right you you know and that's when mothra loses her shit that's right and then we they reveal that it was the eco terrorists or they i think they imply that right that they sort of hacked in the stuff to release mothra Mm -hmm. like right before they yeah took place over okay so they use the orca to like calm down Mothra, and I guess this is the first time they've ever used the orca on anything, right? Because yeah, it confusing. seems like this is the first time. It's very, especially when you, uh, like, I don't want to. I mean, ahead, I've seen it. Like, tw- I've seen it there, twice. There are, there are revelations. There are revelations that happen later in this movie, yeah. and you're like, "Well, wait a minute!" Like, 
Did yes. she know that was going to happen? Was that the plan? To like, I don't, I don't know. Um, we yeah. Should we just dive right into that? Or well, the plan. Um, we let's get a little bit further into it, but then sure, because I feel sure, like sure, the discussion sure. about the plan is going to take most of the time this evening, and the the nebulous nightmare that that the the plan is. Um, so. How it appears to the audience, at least, is that Charles Dance has come in and with his mercenaries and killed everyone else at Outpost 61 except Eleven and Vera Fomenga. And um, and then end of scene. Then we have the Senate Judiciary Committee hearing where nothing, nothing is determined and everything is made way more confusing because Monarch is clearly working with the military the whole movie. One of the members of Monarch is uh, Colonel Foster. And and she's on the you know the Argo the whole time like they're so this scene makes it seem like Monarch and and the military are two separate things but it's so that's baffling also Ken Watanabe he gets a real clear chance um, the film stops dead in its tracks and you get a chance to see him clearly state his case as to like, precisely what Monarch's plan is with the monsters. You know, this yeah. is the expert, him and Sally Hawkins. They've been studying these things since, like, the 60s or whatever. And he really only – and he's in front of the United States government, you know. And his the, the thing that he's prepared for his presentation is just, like, you know, the just the vaguest thing about, like, uh, maybe the Titans aren't here to destroy us after all. Some of them might be okay. It's like, what? <laughs> so – you know, and There's then Thomas, Mills, right? And then they one have, of them might not destroy. Yeah, us. one of a one of the fifty that we found right now might not finish us off to- completely. It's like okay, maybe one of them's gonna be nice. We don't know. <laughs> maybe one of them's gonna be Mothra. I don't know. So, but then they, you know, get the message of everything going tits up and. Uh, um, Oppo 61, and so they have to leave. And then they go to Colorado where, where Kyle uh, Chandler is f- photographing the wolves. They come in on uh, the just a regular one of those big helicopter things that's like, I don't know what it's called, but it's huge. A lot of military stuff in this that we're just not going to know the name of. Sorry. Um, <laughs> we'd have to prepare in order to, to, to do that, and that's not an option. Uh, but they pick up Kyle Chandler and they just crazy expedition dump of like, you know, what the orca does, what has happened, and where they're going now, and so he's, introduce he's like fifteen characters. And yeah, and he's and, uh, yeah. yeah, and they take him to an oil rig, which up oh, isn't really an oil rig. It's actually like the surface. Uh, to a big underwater base that's built to uh, monitor Godzilla. Shield headquarters. At this point, when I saw how big this was, I wrote down, where does Monarch get its funding? Because, like, this this base or this, this whatever underwater thing, it makes the complex from Deep Blue Sea, uh, it makes that place look like a, a floating rubber ducky. I mean, this place is so big. It looks like it costs like forty trillion dollars <laughs> to build. Like, <laughs> and that is one of the aspects that I like about the movie. If there is a victory, it's that they have gone full Toho wackadoodle on it. Like, scale, scale is appropriate, I think. Yeah, yes. yeah, and it has under under like water like missile systems. Um, you know, so head of the creature from the last movie, like on a 
friggin' wall for no yeah. reason. Like, it's amazing. Uh, like, how, what, what were the logistics of getting that thing down there? You know what I mean? <laughs> Can you imagine, like, cranes and stuff picking it up, like, a little to the left, you know? And, like, guys, like, jackhammering it, like, you know, into place or whatever. They're debriefing Kyle Chandler and and everyone, really. And it's this character, Colonel Foster, obviously head of a military thing, definitely in charge, knows what she's talking about, fucking laying down the law, laying down the facts of, just the basic facts of the situation. Kyle Chandler Mm. is just, he looks like he hasn't had a shower in like a month. And and, And he takes over this briefing. He just shuts her down. He's just like, no, this is what we're gonna do. And I'm just like, who the fuck? She is a military colonel. Like, what? What is happening right now? Um, and then, yeah, Kyle Chandler just sort of delivers everything in the whole movie, just like this. Well, we got to do this, and we got to do it right now because I'm angry, or and it's just like, it's so, it just you, it's so boring. And he's, um, he's kind of playing like mansplaining. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It reminds me of kind of. It's the kind of role that like you know, Craig T. Nelson would have had back in the 80s, you know, kind of like the poltergeist dad, you know, or whatever, you know, where like, you know, you expect him to kick open a door and be like, where are the children? You know? Yeah. Perfect. Um, So, yeah. And, and, and then like Kyle Chandler storms out of the room or whatever. And then uh, O'Shea Jackson Jr. is just like, dude hates Titans. Or whatever, and I'm just like, so that's that's the strength right. of the so, script. So the reason the reason the military got Kyle Chandler, which is Vera Farmiga's ex-husband, is because before they split up, they created the the orca together, and now eco terrorists have the orca, and the orca is kind of like the MacGuffin. So like now they can maybe control the Titans, and that's what the threat is. So they need him to maybe build a new one or he's the only one he's the only one who knows how this thing works so that's why he's been dragged back in to you know into action or whatever right Mm -hmm. so yeah it's one of those deals yeah and but towards the beginning of the movie he definitely wants to kill godzilla if there is any sort of character arc it's i think it's with his character but um again kind of like in gamma 3 revenge of iris he has this grudge yeah we see charles dance and Vera Flamingo, they land in a helicopter well, along with Eleven and some Mercs, and they take over the uh, Antarctica uh, outpost. And mm-hmm. I forget. So oh, it's Outpost 32. It's yeah, Outpost 32. Monarch has these outposts yeah. all over <clears throat> the place with all these different monsters that they've found. And they're just sort of like, is it like a secret or do people know about these things? I'm sure the filmmakers haven't asked these questions. I mean, I know they do say that Outpost 32, which is obviously a reference to John Carpenter's The Thing, um, is uh, is a hidden outpost even amongst in in you know the annals of um, of Monarch. Oh, okay. It's off the books. Uh, so oh, okay. because Monster Zero, aka aka Ghidorah, um, is there, and he's he's another alpha. So they want to keep that, like Godzilla is an alpha and King Ghidorah is, a, is an alpha. So they want to keep that under wraps. But of course, Vera Flaminga knows that. Um, so yeah, they start setting stuff up and uh, it's still, you still, even in that scene, think that, it, you know, Vera Flaminga and, and Eleven are very much in sort of the hostage 
uh, mode there. Like they're being right. bossed around by Charles Dance Absolutely, and his yeah. group. I mean, Charles Dance is like group of eco terrorists. They're they're killing everybody. You know, when they roll into the the first outpost when they had Mothra, they just kill everybody except Vera Farmiga and Eleven because uh, you know she's the one who knows how to operate the Orca. You know, and then they get to the other outposts and they just kill everybody. These are bad guys. It gets increasingly weird. This this sort of like them still acting like they're hostages, even though everyone else is dead except Charles Dance and his team, <laughs> and then Eleven and Vera Farmiga. Yet yeah. they're still being bossed around like they're, um, like they're hostages. Back to Castle Bravo. There's a scene where uh, Bradley Whitford has been introduced at this point, and he's sort mm-hmm. of like. I don't know. He's like microchip from the Punisher series. He's like always at the keyboard, like doing stuff. And um, I, uh, he's uh, he's Philip Seymour Hoffman from Twister. Yeah, yeah. He's like he's <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman from Twister. Thank you. <laughs> um, one of the main things that stuck in my head seeing the movie the first time is somehow they, you know, the alarms start going off or whatever. And what has happened is Godzilla has snuck up on Castle Bravo and is like, I don't know, a thousand meters away or whatever. And there's a really, actually a pretty cool scene, one of the more effective scenes in the movie where they raise the shield and you can see off in the distance because it's, you know, they're underwater, um, the light emanating down uh, Godzilla's sort of dorsal fins. And Mm -hmm. it creates a really cool and frankly a really unique image out of like 32 Godzilla movies so my hat's off uh to Mr. Doherty for for thinking of that I thought that that was an effective because that's the first time you see Godzilla in a non-flashback yeah and uh it's effective it's interesting it's like a good version of this scene from Jaws 3 you you know um where you know uh because you know he, he he is he's getting closer, but you only see him when his fins light up. It's good, it's effective. There's a jump scare which freaked out the audience both times in both audiences. Um, I yeah. saw it in, and Godzilla takes off, and Kyle Chandler's like, "Where is he going?" And Bradley Whitford, with his godlike computer skills, and some other people determine that Godzilla's beelining to Antarctica, and so they. That's when they sort of tell Kyle Chandler about what they at the time referred to as Monster Zero uh, is at Outpost 32. That's when uh, Colonel Foster says, let's summon the Argo, which is like this giant flying wing thing, like this stealth bomber the size of like five city blocks. And it's like so big that they have these like they drop helicarrier helicopters out of it like it's dropping. It's like a flying aircraft carrier. Right. Like if if an eagle dropped like a pebble, you know, that's like a helicarrier. That's how big the Argo is. Um, So, again, full Toho level lunacy unlocked. Yeah, I mean, it's basically what the Atragon would be in another movie. Like... You know, kind of like in Final Wars. It's essentially that. Yeah. It reminded me of like uh, something from G.I. Joe. Just yes. completely insane, you know, just <laughs> ma- some massive G.I. Joe thing that my rich friend at school would get and I would, you know, go over to his house just to play with it or something. Yeah. <laughs> I briefly want to mention the fact that on the Argo, it, it, the fact that um, Bradley Whitford uh, 
mentions that uh, they've lost contact with Godzilla, and he brings up the idea of Hollow Earth. Hollow Earth. Yeah. They land in Antarctica and they go to the the place. <laughs> uh, Outpost Thirty Two. Also, Outpost sorry, I, I don't know if I actually clearly stated it. Just the insanity of that scene where Godzilla sneaks up on Castle Bravo. The the point of which that entire place is built is to track Godzilla. That's what I wanted to say. It just got buried and everything else. <laughs> but, like, how crazy that is mm-hmm. that, like, the whole point of that place is tracking Godzilla, and yet he's still stuck up on him. It was to facilitate that really cool scene, but still, you know, definitely don't think about it. <laughs> Somehow they, like, seem to just be getting there as um, the eco-terrorists are, like, starting to, like, put in charges to slowly wake up uh, or to explode and uh, release uh, Monster Zero. They go in and, and you know, they're, they see a sh- the, the army goes in first, the tactical team, and then they see a, shout, a shadow and then a firefight ensues and everything is just confusing and um... So they end up on this. So Chandler meets Eleven and his ex-wife like midway on this like metal beam. And does she have the charger or the orca? I forget. I believe she has the charger, right? Yeah, Vera Farmiga has yeah. the, the 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 trigger to the trigger uh, set off to, the bombs. But yeah, but yeah, first, yeah. So uh, Kyle Chandler, he's he's not a military guy, and no. so he sees the military guys getting all shot up and he's like well, well someone's should, someone's got to do this I, I, should, I should mention this is like done as mike has pointed out in previous episodes this is done like alien like aliens exactly yeah. he, with the screen full sigourney weaver yeah. like you know well, i'm gonna go do this if you guys yeah. so he like grabs a pistol off of a dead soldier and like <laughs> runs into the thick of it and he's like a scientist who like takes pictures of wolves or whatever but he's like <laughs> he does screw it wolves he takes pictures of wolves. he takes put yeah pictures like photographs <laughs> of wolves and he like like records the sounds of them like eating stuff and he's like just going like bust into john mcclain mode out of nowhere yeah and um yeah he gets the drop on him he's like you know points the gun at charles dance and he's like you know let my wife and you know daughter go yeah 11 yeah. aka madison aka bobby brown is between <laughs> she, she's right in the middle on this bridge between her father and her mother right and she's trying and to determine her mother's like what her prerogative on, is go. So. Yeah, but her mother says, "Come, Madison," and like she's the second time she says it, it's like an evil way. Yeah, um, and so <laughs> then we're like, if you couldn't have guessed before this point, it's just like, oh, she was in on this the entire time. Ooh, right, and um, right, she that, was in on the this big reveal, right? And she, well, Madison comes back, and she's like, she just looks at Kyle Chandler and she says run she hits the button and blows up the charges that have been put in this giant wall of ice that contain uh king Ghidorah, aka monster zero yeah and then they start running away so much i want to talk about it once first of all they'd all be killed instantly the chunks of yeah. ice coming out of this wall are like the size of a goddamn city bus i mean <laughs> they're so big and they're in all all different sizes they range from like 
you know, the size of a head or a cinder block to city bus. The point is, any of these pieces of ice that struck any of these people would kill them instantly. Uh, but and everyone's like, the elevators are still working. The elevators are fine. It's really strong <laughs> scaffolding. It might not even be scaffolding. It might be like a flying buttress type situation. We don't know yet. The fact of the matter is, this is like one of the least survivable things I've ever seen in a film, and everyone's like totally like safe there's a group of like yeah. three or four soldiers who are kind of like our main soldiers who we kind of follow throughout so it's like O'Shea Jackson there's a there's a woman with him and yeah. then it's like a you know little cluster and, of, and of Colonel soldiers. Foster's there and Kyle Chandler has to basically so give up the survive. chase he has to give up the pursuit of Eleven and Vera Firminga and Charles Dance uh, in order to go back and and go back down in the elevator to to get the, the right. other troops the good guys so he's you know he's heroic yeah. Know, and yeah. Um, right. And then basically they get up to the surface. Ghidorah wakes up. Um, or I, I guess Veriforminga turns on the Orca and that wakes up Ghidorah after the charges have gone off. Ghidorah, not in the best of moods, um, blows up a bunch of shit, knocks around the helicarrier uh, until mm-hmm. it can't take off because it uses yeah. its anti-gravity rays or whatever and, and lames the craft or, or what have you. Um, and then it uh, begins to merge into a remake of the fight between Rodan and Godzilla in Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla 2. Yes. Well, Where I mean, Godzilla shows up. <laughs> so, yeah, Godzilla and begins up. fighting King Ghidorah. Uh, yeah. So and there, there it is. A helicopter and can't escape, just <laughs> like in... Um, Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla 2. Um, and as much shit as I had for that movie, um, I could at least understand what was going on <laughs> in yeah. the fight between Rodan and Godzilla. This is just um, it themes and things and tales. We're seeing a lot of things from the human's point of view. Which it's like these monsters are so big. It's like what? What just happened? Wait. Yeah. What? I mean, well, it, there's yeah. One of the so, yeah. I was just gonna uh, say there's one off. shot where he puts the moon in the background for like to, so you can get your bearings. Like Godzilla gets knocked down yeah. and you see the moon mm-hmm. and he kind of starts to get up and you're like, oh, that must be where the sky is in the yeah. shot, you know? <laughs> so you're like, oh, yeah. I feel like that's kind of it happens a lot in this movie where all of the and this is a, a, a reoccurring kind of thing like whenever there's a big monster fight uh, and this is the first of many it's always like it's dark or there's snow flying everywhere or it's a hurricane or you know what I mean there's there's lots of you know stuff in the air you know so you don't you know th- there isn't a lot of clarity mm-hmm. uh, with any of it you know what I mean um, and that happens a lot. Um, so that was a little frustrating. But um, I think the scene prior to that when the the whole uh, thing with Vera Farmiga turning into the, you know, the character reveal or the twist or whatever, that she's really a part of all this or, you know, that's mm-hmm. the... That's kind of where I was like, you know, I'm kind of going along with this movie. And like, yeah, we'll see how this goes. But that's the part where I was like, wait a second, wait a second. Her... And her daughter Madison are like a part of this, and that's kind of where I started to like the movie kind of lost me. Yeah, I was like, who are my leads? Like I invested like into those guys, and like, oh, I guess that was a waste of time. Who, right. who am I left with? Kyle Chandler and like 
Thomas Middleditch or whatever. Like, ah, all right, you know, <laughs> like, um, it's confusing, you know. And then throughout the movie, I, I, I'm like, am I supposed to f- empathize with these guys still? Yeah. You know, af- after this happens. Yeah. Um, I do want to say uh, we need to talk very, about that a lot. Weird choice. Oh yeah. Very weird oh, choice. Well, from I a writing perspective, what a what a weird choice. I don't even know if it was a choice. If if maybe the whole thing just was careening out of control at this point, and they didn't even know. I do want to briefly mention that Sally Hawkins' character is basically unceremoniously killed in this scene, which is like dumb. Oh, right. Because she's like one of the best actors in the whole movie, and in 2014's yeah. Godzilla, like she's been in this franchise for two films, so that's uh, dumb that they just... It's like, like a, it's like a steps blink, on blink and you'll miss it. You blink yeah, yeah. and you miss it. Yeah. yeah. I, and, the first time yeah. I was just like, wow, I, what happened to her character? Like, I, <laughs> right. I missed it. Right. Yeah. Her death is uh, just meaningless. So, for those of you at home who are keeping track, you know, it was Sally Hawkins and Ken Watanabe who actually knew what was up in the first movie. Yeah. And so now Sally Hawkins is dead. So it's like, okay, now all of like the deep level, deep learning, like monarch shit rests on the shoulders of Ken Watanabe. He's a pretty valuable person within the world of this film to keep alive. Mm-hmm. Keep that in mind. Um, so, yeah. And then Godzilla and Ghidorah fight. It's pretty cool. I, I would recommend watching the fight twice in the, as far back in the theater as you possibly can to get sort of just basic geography. It's better than like a Transformers fight, I think. It is unfortunate that it's at night. Uh, I think that's just all these movies, all these modern kaiju movies, with the exception of Pacific Rim, Uprising, and Kong Skull Island, actually. A lot of the stuff was in the daylight, and that was a welcome change. I think that's just... The filmmakers have have spoken. They're like, these things are going to fight, but we're going to do our damnedest to make it so you can't see them actually fighting, either by weird angles, uh, atmospheric distortion. It's going to be at night. The character, King Ghidorah, just emanates a very thick, like, typhoon-type, you know, storm around his, you know caucus of rage uh at all times so can we mention the fact his scream sounds not too different from godzilla's yeah and that's another thing i don't know how far we want to get into that one of the things that like made the older movies cool was that the you know the monsters each had a very specific easily identifiable distinct monster call or whatever and yes it did sound exactly the same every time but the filmmakers could use that to their advantage in different ways, maybe, you know, playing that a lot or in different, they have sort of like a musicality to it over time. And like, right. that was part of it. And yeah, man, all the monsters just sound just like generic Jurassic Park dinosaurs in this movie, except for Mothra, who's only allowed to have like the iconic Mothra sound like twice. And it's yeah. always when it's the most difficult to hear it. So there's a lot of weird, like, they're almost like they're ashamed of the monsters and they got to cover them up and muffle them, Yeah, <laughs> you know, at all times. You can't let people know they're watching a Godzilla movie. Right. They'll feel embarrassed and stay at home and watch Netflix. We can't have that. Um, <laughs> but when you do see Ghidorah, he, he does look good. Uh, oh, he looks just, great. It's yeah. hard to see him. <laughs> it's hard to see him. And I, I will say that. I see him 
it's good. Why they do that? Why they do that? Yeah, no, no, no. it makes when no sense. You see him, it looks good, but <laughs> yeah. So he attacks, and he also he's being basically puppeteered by Vera Farmiga at this point because she has remember she has the Orca device, so yeah. she's like you know hitting buttons. So basically, they set off the charges. Everyone sort of escapes. And everyone's kind of like standing around. And then she takes out the Orca thing, hits some buttons. And that's when, uh, remember, Ghidorah comes out of the ice and starts stomping on people like Sally Hawkins and all that stuff. Like, she's literally like, okay, start killing people now. I, I watched this a couple times now. And I'm catching this stuff uh, later later. Like, just, just how much she's doing. And then she's like weirdly horrified by it. Like I don't. <laughs> it's so confusing. Um, and after this scene, we kind of there is some sort of. They're like what? They're, you know, Kyle Chandler and the gang and the Argo. They they seem just as confused as we are. And uh, Emma, aka Vera Farmiga, has a very conveniently timed uh, video conference call with them, complete with yeah. the most perfectly timed. PowerPoint presentation in the history of cinema. Uh, yeah, stock footage just ready to go. She's listing like, you know, mankind is, however, mankind is responsible for like pollution, war, disease, crime. And each time she says one of these words, it's like the perfect stock footage of that thing happens total, perfectly in sync. And it's just like, yeah. how many, you know, Maybe if she would have spent more time thinking about the actual repercussions of her plan uh, and, and, le and less time like perfectly planning out her PowerPoint presentation stock footage clips to sync up mm -hmm. with, her, with her speech, maybe she would have actually realized what she was doing. Because, yeah, you're right. It, it doesn't seem like at, at any particular time in, in the film her sort of lucidity as to the consequences, her culpability, uh, Eleven's culpability, all seems very fluid and very, very sort of wavy. Her goal basically is that, you know, man is the real, the, you know, the, the enemy or the virus or the, you know, we're the, we're the real monsters. And that, you know, so she's joined forces with these eco-terrorists and the idea is they're just gonna release all the Titans and then that's gonna like, kind of rebalance uh, the planet, the ecosystem, um, what what have you. They also um, explain that you know even the places that Godzilla destroyed or the Mutos from the first movie destroyed um, because of their radiation, life uh, came back to those places. Um, so they're actually like, I don't know, giving life back to the places they destroy. Um, which is an interesting concept. Yeah, uh, yes, but yeah. So her, they nuked um, Los Angeles, San Francisco, or San Francisco. Sorry, in in the last movie, like they nuked it with radiation. Which at least I don't know about Godzilla's radiation, but our radiation from an atomic bomb causes massive ecological damage. I did want to say, Verfamiga's so, plan. It is like the Agent Smith, the stock, like. You know, mustache. Samuel L. Jackson's plan, I think, from uh, from the the Kingsman, and it's basically yeah. the She's the Thanos. plan. She's Thanos. She's Thanos. It's basically um, Alfred's plan from The Dark Knight when Christian Bale's like, Alfred, how did you catch the killer who went into the forest? 
we burned a forest down. You know, it's it's that thing. Just like, I will burn down this village to save it type thing. I'm sorry. What was that again? So Christian Bale's like, Alfred, how did you how did you catch the, the maniac that went into the woods? Massa White, we burned the forest down. <laughs> will you be taken to Bat Pod, Massa White? Uh, middle of the day, Alfred, not very subtle. I'll take the Lamborghini. The Lamborghini did. Much more subtle. All right. Um, <laughs> very good. Um, let's see. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, and then uh, they go to a fake island off the coast of someplace in Central America that is not a real island, but they wake up... Um, Rodan? It's supposed to be in Mexico. Yeah. Yeah, and they wake up Rodan, who is in a volcano, which is appropriate. Yeah, I, I will it back say... Though, the Rodan stuff is actually good. Yeah, yeah, uh, because they crib specific shots from Honda's Rodan from yeah. uh, 1956. Like, specific shots. Um, and this is outpost number 56. So, once again, lazy Easter egg there. But, like... And this was the only time in the whole movie where it actually felt like a kaiju movie. Yeah. <laughs> they actually had like uninterrupted <laughs> shots of a monster destroying a city. What an idea. What a concept. Great I idea, know. guys. Well done. You know, what, uh, you know what a heck of a thing would be if you made an entire movie like this? That'd be cool. <laughs> but now you got to get back to whatever. No, Mike. No, Mike. What you Sorry. do is you, you make a movie where literally 17... 17- of these things do exactly that, but you only show it once. You only yeah. show it once via through a like TV monitor. Yeah, yeah. TV monitor <laughs> on TV you monitors, know. and then cut whenever it looks cool or what or something that looks like mm-hmm. it might be like an indelible image is about to happen. Cut back to Bradley Whitford saying something like, "That's what I'm talking about," or some other poochie approved like yeah. glib. They're like you know <laughs> catchphrase. I've- what we want to do is we want to do a movie where it's just Thomas Middleditch watching news footage of 17 monsters destroying the planet. Can we do that? Yeah. Remember, in um, they did that in Destroy All Monsters. In that movie, when all the monsters are unleashed, we're actually given like a real moment where it's just like, yes, that's definitely Gorosaurus breaking through the Arc de Triomphe, and that's definitely Rodin flying over Moscow. That's definitely Godzilla blowing up the UN building. It's like, yes, I can see what's going on in these shots. I could I could tell. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to be fair, to Michael Doherty's credit, there is a very brief shot of, like, it looks like a spider uh, legs breaking through the ground in an oil field. It's in the trailer. Yeah. So we've yeah. already seen it like a hundred times. And then there's like something breaking out of uh, a mountainside in Munich, Germany that I thought R- was right. Angulus in the trailer, but yeah. it was just some asshole. There's some really cool stuff going on in this Rodan sequence, but it's immediately made very dumb by the fact that the Argo's like, all right, we found Monster Zero. They're still calling Monster Zero at this point. Uh, it's at the center of this storm that they were tracking that turns out that Ghidra is actually controlling the storm or is the storm. Who cares? And they're like, all right, we've got to make a beeline. Now that we've got Rodan's attention, because the Argo is also on this island. I don't know if we said that. Um, now that we've got Rodan's attention, we got to make a beeline to Monster Zero in a straight line. Like Bradley Cooper literally said, or Bradley Cooper, Jesus. Bradley Whitford literally <laughs> says, we got to go straight to Monster Zero or whatever. And it's like, 
Well, straight to Monster Zero also takes them over the path of the city of this island, which... Like they are, they are responsible for these murders and all this damage as well. Because like, yeah. if they just would have gone around the backside of the island and then kind of looped around back to Boston Zero, not going straight to him, so that Rodan has to fly across the city and destroy. And don't get me wrong, it is the best part of the movie. Let's, where, let's oh, not yeah. complain about the one the one sequence of city destruction we're yeah, giving. We I, should I, be you know, grateful but again, that they were dumb enough to let that happen. Yeah, they accidentally left it a, a, a scene where it sort of looks like a kaiju movie. Um, yeah. But then, yeah, um, they fly to Rodan. Rodan does a lot of dipsy-doo, dunkaroo, uh, barrel roll things, eliminates... All of the fighter jets that have been kind of deployed to distract it from going right at the um, um, Argo. And then the Argo leads it directly to King Ghidorah. And you're like, all right, Rodan versus King Ghidorah. This is going to be a great fight. And they immediately cut away from it to because uh, O'Shea yeah. Jackson's helicopter coming from like the Rodan Island is about to crash. And they had they circle back and they spend no time on the fight with Rodan exactly. and Gidra. And it's just like, what, why are we here? <laughs> like, yeah. what, what, what are we, what are we watching this for? <laughs> Again, I've mentioned before numerous times that for these movies to work, the people have to be as interesting as the monsters. However, that doesn't mean you cut away from the monsters when they are about to have a beat down. Right. Okay. There is like a pattern to this. Uh, how these movies work. In fact, any movie with like a battle sequence, the ones that work well, especially like in Lord of the Rings, where, where they they like basically time it such where you see a bit of the fight, bit of the human characters, bit of the fight, bit of the human, you know, bit bit of the not fighting characters, you know, that kind of stuff. Like that's why those movies work. And this is just like, wait, we were just watching that. It's like someone flicking the television channel when you were like just about to get to something good. Yeah. It, it, it just, yeah. And then, so as this happens, um, the general pops up on the screen and uh, says, yes, we're about to, you know, move, move your men out of this area. We're about to launch the oxygen destroyer. Uh, and I want to say, it's, it's which, David Stratham it, from Godzilla 2014. Um, that's right. I know it's hard um, to keep so track, it, but because it's yeah, like the only I, other time he's in the movie. So, yeah. Continue. Um, it, <laughs> <laughs> that guy from the last one. And uh, they shoot the oxygen destroyer to kill both of them. Um, both Rodan and, and Ghidra. Um, and again, yeah. anyone who hasn't seen the first Godzilla movie would be entirely confused or like oh, an oxa what? Yeah. Oxymoron, oxy whatever. Um, it, it's important to also say that Ghidra has very easily off camera dispatched Rodan at this point and has yeah. begun fighting with Godzilla. Again, cool things that I would like to see. Yeah. Godzilla shows up. I don't know. Yeah, if he there. also shows up. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah it, it, it's hard to remember when yeah. you can't see it. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 When it all sounds the same. Yeah. And is like half covered. It just, you know, you're being blasted in the face with like, whatever. <laughs> Gitter's going to attack the, the Argos. And then it's like it's going in for the kill, and Godzilla like tackles them. I yeah, think that's when that happens, right? Yeah. Right? yeah. Um, and it's then a they cool fight. little uh, beat, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> well, 
and he like it feels like Godzilla like has the upper hand in this battle because he bites off one of Ghidra's heads. Yeah, he would have won. And you're like, oh, yeah. like if like if he had another like you know minute minute thirty, he could have wrapped this whole thing up. Yeah. You know, right. um, but that's when the oxygen destroyer goes off, and it looks like you know Godzilla's dead, and Ghidra. I don't know if he's like you know out for like a a, a couple seconds, but he immediately pops back out of the yeah. water. Like he's he's fine. They explain that the reason why the oxygen destroyer didn't have any effect on Gidra is because Gidra is an alien. Uh, oh, in the right. next scene, Zengzi says that, and it's yeah. that is literally a line from the Poochie episode. They're like, Poochie was an <laughs> alien, and then they're, they're like, Gidra is an alien. Um, so it's like again, the Poochie connection is there. Follow the money. She's also trying to teach. Um, <laughs> what's his name? Cameron. Uh, Cameron Mitchell. Cameron know. Mitchell. Cameron Crow. Um, Kyle Chandler. Sorry. Cameron Poe. Cameron Poe. Cameron Poe. <laughs> Poochie. Um, she briefly mentions because you know he still hates Godzilla. Remember, Chandler yeah. still hates Godzilla at this point because killed his son. Um, it's hard to keep track of these things, and she says, you know. Uh, you know, slaying the dragon is a Western concept. In the East, dragons are sources of life, and um, and uh, and sometimes redemption. And you know, it holds on him for a second. And I'm just like, oh, somebody watched Joseph Campbell and The Power of Myth. Wow, congratulations! Right? Or they listen to our Gidra podcast. Uh, <laughs> I, I do want to say uh, one of the other like images that Zhang Zi pulls up in her little thing, where she's like, "I've scoured thousands of years of culture." Yeah. Is the painting "Red Dragon" the Red Dragon painting from you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, The history of of fine art, but more specifically, yeah. the Brett Ratner directed film "Red Dragon." <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry, I'm so sorry. Um, but yeah, I just I noticed that because my I was like, "Wait a minute, a real image." My because you're kinda, a huge Brett Ratner fan. Because I'm because I'm, I'm a Brett Ratner completionist, <laughs> to the extent where I still don't know if him and Mick G are the same person. Uh, <laughs> but uh, moving on. Until someone until someone tells you otherwise. Yeah, exactly. It's Have getting you easier. Seen in the same room. It's getting easier and easier to be a Brett Ratner completionist as the years goes on because he has stopped making films. So there's only like four of them. It's great. Um, okay, great. And then Gidra wakes up all the monsters. I think we talked about that like 40 minutes ago. Who knows? Um, but they show, they do, the point is they do a really shitty job showing it. And there's a scene where, um, first of all, they, they do like the Mothra thing where they talk about like the twins have always been like taking care of Mothra. So it's just like fan service nonsense garbage. Um, and they show Mothra waking up from her cocoon because she cocooned herself under a waterfall, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. That's where you want to put a cocoon, where the yeah. cocoon would be constantly being washed away by crushing thousands of gallons of water. Makes perfect exactly. sense. Um, and <laughs> Mothra hatches out of her cocoon, and the person who I thought was just Zhang Zi from the Argo, who had magically like teleported to... Uh, China to under the waterfall, but it turns out that's her twin. Mm-hmm. Uh, I is, straight up did fair, not know that the first time I it watched it. It is confusing because there are a lot of jets, there are a lot of fast submarines, you yes. know, like, you know, they're one second they're in Antarctica, the next second they're in South America, I right. think. No one ever uh, sleeps. You know what I mean? No one ever so, even gets to tired. Be fair, there is there is a lot of uh, 
globe hopping. Also, uh, in that scene, I don't know if you guys uh, noticed this, but Miles Dyson from Terminator 2 is in it. Joe Morton. And, yeah. yeah, Joe Morton. He is playing the same character from Kong Skull Island. Yeah. I, I guess. Yes. Um, although I don't know. I mean, that that's the kind of thing where you'd have to like look it up on Wikipedia or oh. like you know something to know that. Um, yeah. But that's there. They say his name super quick. Do but they? It's buried okay. under a bunch of other noise. That's another problem with this movie is the sound design is like. I, I feel like they just kept adding shit on, maybe to get like the use of all the 64 speakers in Sony Atmos or, or Dolby Atmos or whatever. Yeah, I, I yeah. don't know what the reasoning was behind it, but when you listen to it, it's just like a 7.1 surround. It's there's, there's some rough scenes in this movie where you, you're listening to humans speak, but it sounds like, I don't know. You, you can't tell what they're saying. It's rough. <laughs> There's another couple scenes where, like, Charles Dance is like, you really didn't know what you were getting into. And I guess now we can really finally talk about what is the full responsibility of Eleven and Vera Firminga. But that could be another hornet's nest or bramble bush we could get stuck in. It, it really seems like my my take on it is both of them should be either in prison or executed for their involvement <laughs> in this uh, because they both to some extent knew about it but if you remember that first scene in the email where Eleven is like I'm worried about mom that indicates that she has no knowledge of the plan so the film itself you could edit well, different versions of this film and I think I it might like just they, be like a bog that we could get did. caught in yeah, I don't. I mean, like, so even when they're escaping in Antarctica, um, remember I said that. So, Vera Farmiga is essentially puppeteering um, uh, Ghidorah with the Orca. You know, she's the one that tells Orca to attack the Monarch people that are still there, uh, Sirizawa and Kyle Chandler and Sally Hawkins, all those guys. She basically, you know, does that. So there is a scene where. Um, She's doing that. They're in, a, in an airplane that's like kind of like, you know, watching all this from up top or whatever. Uh, there's the moment where Madison, her daughter, Eleven, sees this and then she grabs the, the orca away from her and then like turns it off or whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, so she tries to like stop her mom from killing people with King Ghidorah, mm-hmm. I, I guess. So like the more that kind of stuff happens the more i'm confused because then later she yells at her mom and she's like you said you were going to release them one at a time you know because she she gets mad at her mom that all the monsters got released at once because Ghidorah released them all at once or whatever mm-hmm. um and ah uh, but it's so weird because even like the the very first conversation they have when they're talking about the dad after they burned the the bacon and the breakfast scene or whatever She's. She says, like, I'm worried about Dad. Is he going to be safe? And she's like, Don't worry. He's a, He's a, he's at the safest place he could be because he's out in Colorado because he's not close to any of the monsters that she's about to release. Right. So they're already kind of talking about what they're going to do. Right. So immediately after she says, I'm worried about Mom. Yeah. Yeah. Like in the same yeah. scene. In the same yeah. scene. So so I like I don't know if she's like if she's in on it or if she's just stupid. Uh, like if, if, if her mom was like, I'm going to release all the monsters and we're all going to live together and it's going to be great. Like, 
it's like oh oh like her brother was killed by a giant monster she knows what monsters do you know what i mean she specifically understands what that means that right. you know these things are going to get out and kill billions of people and she's like sort of with it i guess and then it starts actually happening and she's like well i didn't know it would you know this feels kind of shitty i didn't know this would happen you know like uh, wait a second i didn't know there people would be dying and then she feels bad right it's it's like um richard pryor in superman 3 you know (laughs) exactly (laughs) where he's like wait a minute killing superman is bad i mean i knew we were gonna (laughs) kill him but I thought that was good. But right now, I, I just, I just thought it. about it for two seconds. I guess killing Superman is bad. It's the same thing. It's the same exact thing. Also, this continues this, like, subtle, like, I don't want to say intentional misogyny, but, like, face the facts that we've got Kyle Chandler, like, mansplaining to a, you know, female military personnel about like, how to do her job. Right. And then the two women characters seem crazed and incompetent um which in the end there's this attempt at retribution or uh, at um redemption but at the same time it's just like you know it, the movie is like seems to just paint all the female characters it's just kind of they're like oh aren't you cute uh and then again or Sally, just like they're aloof uh, they're just yeah. they don't know what they're doing yeah they're they're just put there and um, it, it just kind of, again, to bring this back, the first Godzilla movie was about a woman, <laughs> a woman who had issues, was going through kind of a, I don't know, not quite midlife crisis, but was going through a bunch of shit, had some decisions to make. And then it was inconvenienced by a giant lizard. This just does not do justice to any of that. Or the fact that in Mothra versus Godzilla, it's the female reporter who's the one that like pleads with everyone on Mothra Island, you know, about like the 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 decency that humanity has outside of the the awfulness it has created, um, in terms of nuclear weapons and radiation. You know, she's the one that turns it around. Um, and the twins, the, 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 the two fairy twins, like, you know, it wouldn't be Mothra versus Godzilla without them. Like, they really stick out. They're not just there. They're, they're like, part, an integral part of the story. Yeah. Um, they, they are, like, consigliaries to Mothra. Like, they, yeah. in a way, control Mothra. So, like, incredibly powerful position, and they know what is happening they know what they're talking about they know the consequences it's a baffling choice because immediately i'm like well um i don't i i can't empathize now with either one of these characters and we spend a lot of time with these characters and then later on you know they, they do things to kind of redeem themselves and i'm just like i don't care you, you know what i mean yeah. like i just want to see him get stepped on and yeah. i don't know it's um, it's it's a it's a weird choice it's a strange choice um I, I think there's there's a much cleaner way of doing this. It's maybe not the. I mean, you you literally could have just made this into like a diehard clone, where like okay, Charles Dance is a bad guy eco terrorist, and he's taken Vera Farmiga and you know um, Eleven hostage because she's the only one who can use the Orca, and she's just being held against her will, and 
And then, that's it. And that's and, it. And Kyle yeah, Chandler's no, just trying and, to like fix the marriage, and like you know, he's like, I, I was a, I was a shit husband. I was drinking when we lost our son. Now I'm gonna, you know, get my shit Kyle, together and come rescue you. And that that's that's what's. I mean, that, it was well, right that there. Perfect, because then Kyle Chandler could have focused on his wife and kids, and somehow that like affects the monsters attacking the other cities and the rest of the world. You know, they've got like this evil control center that they have to get to in time before you know. Godzilla or one of the monsters, you know, detonates a nuclear power plant or something like that. Like, that would have been a simple yet interesting story. Um, yeah. it's. I mean, you guys just wrote a better version of the movie. And we're just talking here. We're not even, we're not even paid hundreds of thousands of dollars or however much... Um, what I heard, I literally heard that after, like, so two days after the first Godzilla came out and it made, had a, like, a, what, $98 million opening weekend in 2014? Like, it, it did really, really well that opening weekend. Basically, Warner Brothers put together a writer's room of 10 writers that basically formed the idea of what this movie is. And then, uh, you know, the director was brought in to, like, you know, probably rewrite it and like put it all together himself but like this the story was cracked by like 10 different people and it's like what um <laughs> i don't know man i yeah. don't know oh, oh the story was cracked all right <laughs> um, Ass cracked. cracked open like an egg a monster egg um why is this happening uh, so then Kyle Chandler's like, I'm going to go find my daughter. I don't know how. And he's getting on a helicarrier at the top of uh, Castle Bravo and Mothra shows up and physically displaces this thunderstorm. And you're like, mm-hmm. when I saw this, I was like, oh, great. We finally get to actually see one of these monsters without a storm around it. And Mothra's in moth form now, by the way. Um... And she indeed does make the storm go away, but then it's replaced by this uh, bioluminescence, which totally makes her form indecipherable. I mean, she might as well be a bird. You can you can't really tell she's a moth or insectoid at all, mm-hmm. which is uh, very vexing. She looks like a like a character from Tron or something, Just <laughs> <Yeah>. like... <laughs> or Tron Legacy, even worse. Yeah. Um, and Bradley Whitford somehow can tell that like Mothra's talking to Godzilla which again there's like hints of so Godzilla's alive there's hints of like oh wait we we didn't talk mm-hmm. about did, did did this happen before or after we go to Moo no see they're about to go to Moo because oh, okay. okay sorry and 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 that that ties into this that like you're having the monsters talk to each other which is like full Toho lunacy again approved. So yeah. there's bits of things that I very much approve of in this film, uh, but they're just buried under... Ugh. So, yeah. Um, basically, Mothra proves, she speaks to Godzilla. We hear that Godzilla's alive, so they come up with their kind of weird version of their not the final plan, but the second to last plan, where it is all the military and the Argo are going to go to like Washington DC to fight off King Ghidorah who is like destroyed DC. We don't get to see any of that. Uh, and then also, Sarah's, yeah, she, so she's or Ghidorah is controlling all the monsters yeah. and they're yeah. all attacking 
like under her control and they basically kind of figure that out that she's the elf or he's the alpha whatever king Midor is um i think it's controlling he. everything yeah yeah he, he's um, controlling all the other monsters he's the alpha so um and they take all of the nukes from the argo which i guess the argo had like a bunch of nukes on it and they load it into a submarine that uh then goes i guess goes from castle bravo who even fucking cares and they're like to go find Godzilla to like shoot like a shitload of nukes into him and like make him juice heal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And to to apparently defeat. in this apparently in this movie, nuclear radiation not only makes plants grow better, but it also heals Godzilla. <laughs> it, it, it's it's like great. It's Trump like, was a like, was a ghost like writer a on this. Mr. I think Burns commercial from <laughs> right. a Simpsons episode. <laughs> right, like, right. It's movie's propaganda. Darwin. It's propaganda. Um, so, uh, so they go to Moo. Yeah, I mean Bradley Whitford, uh, Ken Watanabe, and Zhang Zi. They go in a submarine. The submarine gets sucked into the the tunnels that Bradley Whitford very briefly alluded to with his Hollow Earth theory for like two seconds, like an hour ago. That turns out to be true. And they go to Seatopia, uh, complete with like giant statues of like humanoid people, possibly Antonio from Godzilla vs. Megalon. <laughs> I hope it is. Uh, I couldn't make out oh, his wow, naval be, that would tattoo. Be such a great Easter egg. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't make out the the fully visible naval tattoo on <laughs> Antonio's bicep. Uh, but you know <laughs> that uh, the costumers either did not have time nor the inclination to cover up on the set of Godzilla vs. Megalon. Um, and they find this incredible place, this like, uh, it's like a giant pyramid, but like way bigger than a pyramid, like Atlantis, it's basically, Atl- or Moo. Atlantis. Yeah, yeah. Moo. from from uh, Atragon, you know, just like full on, a mate, like beyond discovery of the century, like the greatest discovery in the history of mankind, <laughs> this place, and it's um, yeah. and it's also like Godzilla's house, and he's like chilling out and like relaxing and in full on, you know, I gotta sleep this one off mode, guys. And it's like his fortress of solitude. Basically. Yeah, it's yes. or it's like the Godzilla cave uh, from Zone Fighter that he actually like oh, when yeah. he has a house yeah. in Zone Fighter that yeah. like has a retracting door <laughs> or whatever. Right. It's like the Godzilla cave. So this is a really cool thing, and I hate so much about what the screenplay decides to do to this place. Because basically they find Godzilla, he's like recharging very slowly, Zhang Zi's like, you know, this process of him recharging could take years, if not decades, so like we have to speed this up, so someone has to, because of the radiation that Godzilla's giving off, or his house or whatever... Um, they have to, they can't like have a, a drone drop this off. It has to be a human mm-hmm. um, because I guess we have better radiation shielding than drones. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> and so, and the idea is to ignite like the super nuke right next to Godzilla and that will charge him back up and then he'll be ready to fight another day. And this is the part where Ken Watanabe is like, we need someone to go in and do this. I'll do it. We don't have time to debate or whatever. And here's the thing. What comes up 
is a physically beautiful scene. Yes. And were this a better movie, it would have so much more weight. But let's uh, l- l- let's bring this back to the fact that his character's name is Dr. Sarazawa. Yeah. And in the first Godzilla movie, as short as that movie was, like by the time it's over and by the time Dr. Sarazawa dies, you know. Underwater, you know, next to Godzilla, underwater, setting off a weapon. Yeah. You feel it. You want to cry. This, it's just like, it's a beautiful scene, but it's unearned. It's, we haven't spent. Yeah, I mean, not only is it unearned, but it defies reason. It like, yeah. first of all, have literally anyone else on that submarine do this other than Sarazawa? Because like, yeah. we need him, <laughs> like his yeah. knowledge. Yeah, and um, you know, it's it, it's like the complete Hollywoodification misunderstanding of the last scene of Godzilla. Kyle Chandler should have done it. Yeah, Kyle Chandler. Yes, that's the whole. It's the whole. It's it's the whole movie. You know, it's yeah, redemption. Man. It's sacrifice. It's him. You know, that's it. It's right there. I mean, if it's they're right gonna there. if they're gonna try and you know, I can't tell if they're swinging for the fences here or if they're just shitting their pants. I don't know, but like it's <laughs> somewhere in the middle. Shit in the bed. It's a, it's a <laughs> bummer. It's a bummer because Nate's right. It's a beautiful scene. It's great. You know, yeah. and, and I, oh, I got the. If you if you know Godzilla, you know like oh this is kind of a um you know it's like a mirror of like what happens to the other Sirizawa in the original Godzilla you know it's a, it's it's kind of a you know beautiful version of that scene uh, repeated in you know in a way but in like, a backwards misunderstood way yeah, yeah. so because like, killing Godzilla he's 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 reviving Godzilla he's giving right. him life and, but like we don't like, care because he's not like no one watching this movie probably cares about that he's right, just right, like he's just <laughs> right, because the old Godzilla is like the most boringest one, so they're not even going to watch it anyways. And like, Sirizawa killing himself at the end of the original Gojira, he was like, he was doing that. Like, it's a very melodic and like sad, tragic scene and everything and a lot of mood and it's really well done. But like, when you think of the reasoning behind it, it makes total sense because like, he's killing himself so that A, he will never make another oxygen destroyer. And B, he can't be captured by some enemy country and tortured into giving up the secrets of, like, how to make an oxygen destroyer. So there's all these, like, layers to it that if you want to... The woman he's betrothed to doesn't love him. Yeah, and, like, there's that, too. It makes sense. like a broken heart. It's so elegantly done where it's just like, no, I need to die with this thing. Boom. And it makes sense. This is the exact opposite. This He definitely needs to survive. This character 100% needs to live. And yeah. additionally, even though this is arguably the most clearly photographed and spectacular sequence of destruction in the whole film, it's also the most frustrating because it's like you assholes just found this place. This is, and it's like the answers to all of your questions are like written on the walls and hieroglyphs. Like, study this place for like two hours. At least take a couple pictures or something. You know, I don't think they even take any pictures. No, all the drones uh, blow up, so or, right. or or fail. So it's like okay. So it's like all this stuff is just like going away. Well, Br- Bradley know. Whitford, uh, he records everything. He got it all. Don't right. worry. Great. Yeah. So I mean, they'll, yeah. they'll find some excuse in the sea. I mean, hey, uh, or never mind. Oh, but it, yeah, <laughs> they'll find a way. <laughs> Urge to kill rising. Um, <laughs> so yeah, they blow the moo up and. Godzilla gets juiced and he comes out of the water and does the poster. 
where he aims his mouth up at the sky and shoots out fire breath. Another unique image to this mm-hmm. film, which is, again, if you can do that after like 32 movies or whatever, well done. But um, Maybe not the most flattering Im- angle for Godzilla. No. Like he does look no. a little bit like, you know, like the guy like... with a spare tire who's just finished mowing his lawn, who's like, you know, drinking out of a hose or something. Like he's, he's, he's a little flabby. Yeah, he looks um, like he's, he's um, the body positive Godzilla. I mean, you know, he is <laughs> king of the monsters. Uh, <laughs> he, he he looks like uh, the head of the clown like, gang from Akira, like the, <laughs> you know, he's, he's kind of let himself go. <laughs> you know, he's got he's got that spare tire there. Um, yeah, he, he's uh, got the dad bod. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, he's exactly, got like exactly. he's got like the granddad bod. <laughs> like uh suspenders are the only option at this point for uh <laughs> for pants hey. like a belt's not going to do you any good at this point you kids get out of my city is there culver's around here <laughs> i'm going to culver's i'm getting a double butter burger um culver's has excellent burgers that's it, a very tasty burger the butter burger is a very good choice i would eat it if there was one in the state of the state I live in. Anyways, uh, we may be getting off off topic. The point is that Godzilla uh, emerges and then submerges next to Kyle Chandler on the deck of the submarine. But before he does, he looks at Kyle Chandler in the eyes. They have a meet cute. I guess all is forgiven. Additionally, Kyle Chandler figures out that like humans were like the missing piece of the puzzle. And that gets entered into the Orca for some reason that I've forgotten, even though I just watched this movie two hours ago. Um, <laughs> so that's important for some reason. I can't tell you why. Um, I've seen it um, uh, three times. I also don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't. It's just my brain can't fit it inside anymore. It's I can't make it right up here anymore. Um so yeah, Sirizawa nukes Moo. Godzilla is juiced, uh, ready for for battle. Now here's the thing. Okay, so uh, Eleven steals the Orca, which is like totally unattended and left in like the shitty cafeteria of wherever Charles Dance is like held up. It's not in the cafeteria, but it's in like a control room that's totally abandoned. Like all of the guards at once are like, "Hey guys, let's all go to, you know, Arby's." Culver's. I'm thinking Arby's. And, like, they all leave at the same time, which I understand. Their chicken tenders are incredible. But, like, they've got the best French fry in the history of fast food. The curly fries, come on, get get serious. Like, it can do better than that. But, like, again, the importance of the orca, you think you might want to leave at least one person there to guard it. Now, everyone leaves. Eleven comes in very easily, nonchalantly, grabs it, goes, takes it to out of the woods, and to Fenway Park, um, where it reveals they've been in uh, Boston this whole time, I guess. And the whole city's evacuated, so we never get a scene of you know some guy going, you know, hey Donnie, Robbie, and and Mark, let's get some Budweisers. Donnie, Mark, Mickey, like, Mark. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, and probably for the best, we don't have that scene, uh, or like <laughs> she bumps into Jeremy <laughs> Renner. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, you were born right here, just like me. Uh, the town is a good movie. Anyways, um, 
And the first time I saw the movie, I thought that uh, Millie Bobby Brown, what a ridiculous name, uh, was turning off the Orca, or like turning it on to make Gidra come to Boston to fight Godzilla or something like that. And the second time, uh, which I thought was like, she is clearly totally responsible for like the destruction of Boston at that point. But the second time I saw it, I was like, oh, no, she's using the Orca to, and she's using the speaker system at Fenway Park to send out the pulse to get all the monsters to stop monstering uh, everywhere and just to get them to stop. And that's, I think, what she's doing. Even though it's yeah. very confusing because she's like got binoculars and like looking for monsters to come and get her. So, right. She's so also she sort over, of expecting she, things. She overhears a conversation with Vera Farmiga and Charles Dance, where so Vera Farmiga is upset that uh, Ghidorah is just having everyone, uh, all the other monsters, destroy everything because that was not her plan. Her plan was they would all just sort of, I don't know, destroy things in a different way. I don't know, but she, she's upset that Ghidorah has become an alpha and is basically. Um, they hinted that maybe he's he's controlling the monsters, so they're maybe destroying things in a way that's somehow terraforming the world, I guess. And so instead of like, you know, balancing out the world, they're just going to destroy the world till there's nothing left, I guess. I think you said to make it in like Ghidorah's image, something like Ghidorah's that. Ghidorah's an alien. Oh yeah, yeah. And Charles, Charles Dance is like, I'm fine either way. What did you think was going to happen? You know, <laughs> he, he's the only like pure character who's just like, yeah whatever it's gonna kill people <laughs> wasn't that the plan like where you been that's what the screenwriters yeah. said uh, <laughs> when writing this movie. it's like you know they die that way they die this way i'm a bad guy i don't give a shit you know right. um, so <laughs> um but, but so yeah so 11 hears that and then she's like oh i can yeah because Vera Farmiga is like i can i can take the orca i can stop them and then we can figure this out or something you know, and so yeah, Eleven hears that conversation. That gives her the idea to then s- steal the orca, get to Fenway Park, and then do the thing. Yeah. Um, and then also we kind of there's like a very brief sequence where we go back to like the destroyed ruin of Washington D.C. and like Thomas Middleditch and uh, the military forces are like engaging Rodan and King Ghidorah uh, there. But it's so brief, and everything's already destroyed, so, yeah. like, it's pointless. Like, the Potomac um, is, like, overflowed into yeah. D.C. It's like there there are ships somehow, like, just, like, feet away, like, right. like huge Navy boats, like, just swimming, like, hey. feet away from the Capitol building. And it's there's, like, there's not I, that much know. water. There's yeah. not that much water in the Potomac. Exactly. <laughs> like, most of Potomac isn't even water to begin with, so... Sludge. It's sludge. sludge. Not that we live or have lived anywhere near there. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Um, But yeah, and then they just cut back to Fenway Park. Gidra shows up, not in the best of moods again, uh, is pissed off that Eleven is is mucking with the plan, starts destroying Fenway Park. Uh, Godzilla intercedes right before Eleven's about to be killed by Gidra. And then Kyle Chandler shows up in a helicopter with O'Shea Jackson Jr. And um, he gets out of the helicopter in the middle, like at the feet 
of Ghidra and Godzilla fighting in Fenway Park and is just like, you know, calling for his daughter like yeah. he would, like an episode of Lassie. It's like, Timmy, where are you? You know, and it's just like, what? <laughs> yeah, so basically there, he's standing in the middle of a hurricane while two, you know, mile-high monsters beat the shit out of each other and he's just screaming for his... Like he doesn't even have a megaphone. Oh, you know? in the middle of a leveled city. Like, come on. And Ghidra is looking for Eleven to destroy. I, I'm pretty sure I to destroy the orca. the orca. And here's the thing. Ghidra is huge, it, but it's searching. It's trying to do like some precise search and destroy. And it's like, this is Ghidra. You just need to blow up the entire stadium. <laughs> right, right. Problem exactly. Solved. It's like, why is this a problem? How is this hard? <laughs> it's like the stadium just needed to be kablooied. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah you just, not you just leveled all of DC. Just do it some more. Right, in like yeah. 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Like, Gidra's yeah, I mean, not the person. We didn't get to see any of that, but I mean, yeah. I guess it's so, But instead, like, the three heads are, like, sneaking around the windows right. looking for the one that Eleven's in. Right. Like it's Waiting a, for her to turn around right. and so she could see all three of the heads looking at her. Yeah. So we can get a raw moment. Right. Gidra's not the person you get to get like a precision kill. You know, no. it's, 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 so whatever. It's three dangly heads. Right. <laughs> but they still, they have to like somehow remake like the Jurassic Park kitchen sequence or whatever with yeah. Gidra and Billy Brown, <laughs> Billy Bobby Brown. Like what is happening? Um, so yeah. And then Godzilla and Gidra fight. Vera Flamingo shows up and is like, "Hey, Kyle Chandler, we gotta go." Um, and and then O'Shea Jackson Jr. is like, "Hey, if I had you know, parents like you two, you always fighting, I would run away from home as well." And they're like, "Wait a minute, home? We live in Boston." So they go to their house, um, where Eleven is hiding in a tub that's been covered by Debris. <laughs> and they get her out of it and then the monsters are fighting eventually Mothra shows up to help out Godzilla it's kind of cool this is seeing it a second time this is not a terrible fight at the end this is a pretty good fight a pretty good kaiju fight but just the stuff you have to get through to get there is just just breaks you as a viewer <laughs> it mentally it stamina levels <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, like, eventually Rodan shows up and starts fighting Mothra as well. But it's all at, like, the expense of that to, like, focus on Kyle Chandler and his family, because that's what's important. Yeah, you know? yeah. they they, they treat the, the monster battle as, like, a secondary thing. When, it's like, the B-plot. The, they keep, they keep yeah. refocusing yeah. you on these characters that make no sense, that you don't care about. Right. That, like, it's just like, ah, oh, watch. Like, so wait, they... they like Vera Farmiga somehow goes to the stadium and she finds Kyle Chandler. Oh, she's like, she's decided to, you know, leave the bad guys now to find her daughter. Cause now I guess that makes her a good guy now. Yeah. Um, and they're like, Oh, that's like O'Shea Jackson's like, I would run away from you guys. And she's like, say that again. And like, <laughs> like she makes him repeat the entire line again. Like, 
And it's like, oh, that's right. We live across the street from the stadium. Let's go check it out. You know, it's just like, oh, come on. You know, it's like when they say home, it's like, yes, I would like to go home. Wrap it's it like, up. Say it a third time. One more time. No, I'm oh, sorry. Yes. Fourth time. <laughs> the it just, yeah, um, it just turns into the uh, the seed for Black Dynamite where they're like, <laughs> <laughs> say it one more time. Drop the S. <laughs> <laughs> it just goes on uh, Black Dynamite infinitely better than this film yes um, uh, better fights I might watch it right now uh, yeah. gentlemen that's all good night all. <laughs> I want out of this <laughs> um, so I think Ver- okay so like Godzilla's down for the count like he when they're in front of their house um, Ghidra picks up Godzilla and takes him into orbit and well first of all mothra subdues rodan with a stinger which is weird because she's a moth uh so rodan's down and then that's the best part of the movie when rodan shanks uh uh, sorry mothra shanks rodan like like it like there's no sound it just there's like a like that was my favorite part (laughs) yeah i mean and if maybe if i hadn't watched so many of these movies and it was just to me it was like confusing because all i could think was like Mothra's a moth. It doesn't have a stinger. <laughs> That's all I was... It could have been a really cool part. Normal people might like that part, but I can't. I can't see it that way <laughs> anymore. <laughs> um, but then, yeah, Ghidra picks up Godzilla, takes him into space, and then drops him back down to the extent he's so far up, he has... He's, like, burning up in re-entry. Like, it's that's how high up drop. they are. It's his own halo jump. It's his own halo yeah. jump. Yeah. And he bullseyes the center of Boston and the shockwave that it creates doesn't even knock our main characters who are like a half a mile away from impact off their feet. They're just sort of gently brushed back. So it's like this inconsistency is like making me crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. Mothra sacrifices herself. Um, gets like... Uh, anti-gravity raid lightning raid whatever you want to call it uh yeah. by Ghidra, and then falls into godzilla and like combines like her like dust of her particles of her body like combines with godzilla not unlike how fire rodan combined with godzilla at the end of godzilla versus mechagodzilla 2 for anyone who's still keeping track um and or it could just be you and i nate i don't know yeah, um, and we're the last. <laughs> we're the last of an elite group. <laughs> and um, then, oh, well, Vera Farminga has to, like, buy Godzilla time for him to get better or something. Also, at the beginning of the scene, Bradley Whitford's, like, con- uh, like on the Argo and can monitor that Godzilla's been juiced a little bit too well by Sarazawa, and he's going to mm-hmm. go nuclear in, like, 12 minutes. Uh, so there's like you do have that ticking clock, um, mm-hmm. you know, set up, which is a pretty good device. Um, but so Vera Farmiga kind of like drives around the city in her a Hummer. Uh, well, she like there's a scene where like they're gonna get on the helicopter and like escape or whatever, and Vera Farmiga's like they because Kyle Chandler needs her to repair the Orca because it's been smashed, so they repair that as a family. It's a nice little <laughs> scene, and then. You know, Kyle Chandler grabs Eleven, ushers her onto the back of the the helicopter, 
as it's about to take off. And then then Vera Farmiga has that moment where she's like, no, I have to like sacrifice myself or like to buy everybody time. And now I'm going to be the heroic character. And it's framed very much in a way to make it look like this really valiant thing that she's like, oh, and then, you know, Eleven's like crying in slow motion and stuff. And it's just like, who fucking cares about either of these people? Like, they're both, they're both criminals they're both tyrants <laughs> you know they they should both be in the hag or whatever <laughs> um i am the hag <laughs> i am the hag yeah uh so like you know is that an expendables and, 3 reference yes, absolutely yes we're talking about good movies from now on <laughs> and uh so verifamega goes across the city in her hummer and um Gidra, like chases her on foot because it can fly and, uh, you know, eventually catches up to her vehicle, swats it out of the way, and, like, she's about to die. And she says, long live the king, which Charles Dance has said earlier in the film. And then you cut to, this is a pretty cool shot, like, everything in the city is, like, melting. Uh, and you kind of pan up, and, like, Godzilla has become, like, fire Godzilla or whatever. Because he's finally going critical. And that was a cool shot. And he... Godzilla releases what looks like an electric magnetic pulse. But I refer to it as the... Uh, it, see, it's it's got sort of the... If you look at it, the front of this cloud, this energy cloud that it releases, it's you can sort of see Mothra's face at the front of it. And you can mm-hmm. sort of hear Mothra's, like you know, call on it a little bit if you're really paying attention. So I refer to it as the electric mothretic pulse. Um, and it happens twice. And the first time it like melts, it really fucks up Ghidra both times. Basically, Godzilla does it twice and Ghidra's like down on the ground and then Godzilla kind of comes up to him and like curb stomps him, basically. Like caves in his chest with his foot and like, which causes another very large explosion, <laughs> and then Boston is a wasteland, and Godzilla wins, I guess. But Hooray. at what cost? <laughs> at what cost? <laughs> oh, and then all all the other monsters who have apparently been making their way in even though they've been all over the world apparently they were just uh, they they were able to schlep all the way to boston <laughs> so they could bow um to godzilla right proving once again that he is the king of the, the, king monsters. Of the monsters they like recreate the end of the lion king <laughs> except yeah. with the monsters <laughs> and again like you see moth or sorry you see rodan kind of come up to Godzilla and bow to him like really regally or whatever. Yeah. And I don't like all this imagery of like Rodan being the fucking like subservient to Godzilla because they're, they're not, it's not like, you know, these films treat Rodan like he's, he's like the sidekick of Godzilla. And that's never been my understanding of it. To me, they were always peers they were always equals. It's like a Tim Conway and Harvey Corman situation, you know, where they're like, well, in, they're on in the same. the three-headed monster, they're having like a, 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 they're beating the tar out of each other. No one has the upper hand at <laughs> right. all. They are just it's a stalemate. going and going. 
It's a yeah. stalemate. Yeah, yeah, in that film. And then Mothra tells them to, you know, hey, guys, <laughs> chop, chop. Right. <laughs> so I don't really care for that, this whole, like, Rodan being sort of neutered thing. Yeah. But whatever. It, That's oh, the they, least they of this film's problems. Him, uh, what's his name? <laughs> uh, Zazu. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So that's, and then they play uh, Bear McCreary and the the dude from System of a Down who does all the guttural chants from, from those songs. They reteam and do a cover of Blue Oyster Cult's Godzilla that's unveiling over a bunch of clips that are like newspaper clippings that like all the monsters are back doing stuff or whatever. Right. And then they kind of allude to Kong versus Godzilla. Then they play the two pieces of music from the actual Godzilla movies, like, mm-hmm. you know, the Godzilla's theme and then Mothra's song. Uh, and then they have the deleted scene or the stinger at the end of the credits where, like, some dude on the black market is se- selling Charles Dance a decapitated Gidra head. Yeah. <laughs> so and then that's it. I, I, I. I fully expected that to be just like a trailer for Godzilla versus King Kong because that's coming out a year from now. Yeah, so less that than a year. Already, it's March. You know, that's like that's in the can. You know, that's like they should have theoretically stuff they could show for that. Kind of like the you know at the end of uh, I think it was uh, wasn't it Captain America at the end of that the the stinger was a, just a trailer for the Avengers sort of yeah. like a you know like a quick you know thirty second forty five second thing whatever. But, um, yeah. So that's that. <laughs> that's that. Uh, there, was a, there was a moment um, at the end of this movie where, um, like I said, uh, uh, you know, I, I didn't, wasn't really digging um, much, but I thought it was, you know, there were, there were, moments, of, there were moments of fun throughout the movie. I, I liked the Rodan sequence. I thought that was a lot of fun. There's a sequence, there's a part where a guy ejects out of his cockpit he goes right into rodan's mouth i laughed out loud i like that a lot um you know these kind of glimpses of fun monster things happening um but it was so convoluted and our our core characters were so strangely written and i was just so i couldn't empathize with any of these characters really and there were so many like peripheral characters i was like i i don't know it just felt like it was just kind of a overwritten mess um, but there was a moment at the very end where Godzilla shows up to fight Ghidorah at the end in Boston, and they're playing the the old-fashioned Godzilla music, and he's charging in there, and like you know, the, he's got the um, the military uh, jets are flying with them, you know, and I was like, okay, movie, okay, this is your chance. Give me five or six minutes of just solid monster fighting. I might still like this movie, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or I might leave with a smile on my face, at least. Like, so an example would be like Jurassic World. I hate Jurassic World. But the last five minutes of that movie where all the dinosaurs are beating the shit out of each other, I left with a smile on my face. It was like, the movie was shit. But you know what? That scene at the end, that was a lot of fun, and I left feeling good until I thought more about the movie I'd seen, and then I didn't feel good. But <laughs> I was like, movie, you can do this. You can do this. You just give me... Six minutes, or what? Like not not like twenty minutes or whatever. Just like just give me six minutes of just uninterrupted monstering, and they couldn't do it. It was like you know, 
little bursts here and there, but it was always cutting back to these stupid characters doing stupid things that didn't make any sense, that I didn't care about, and I'm always just like, show me the monsters. I don't know. I mean, I... What's I, in the box? <laughs> what's in the box? John Doe has the upper hand now. <laughs> My understanding of this movie was like it was going to be the opposite of the first movie, where it was going to be... You know, it was going to be all monsters, and it was going to be so much monsters, and it was going to be like they're going to, they're going to, you know, because everyone's big complaint about that movie was that the director treated Godzilla like Jaws, basically. You didn't really see him until the end, which I thought was kind of clever. I like that, but a lot of people did, and that's fine. So, based on the trailers I was seeing, I was like, oh, this is going to be, this is just going to be monsters, monsters, monsters. This, like this is going to be the raid, only instead of martial arts, it's going to be just full-on monsters. That's on me. I shouldn't have done that to myself. Um, and I was just really disappointed. There wasn't just, there's a lot of monster in, in this movie, but it, 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 it's, there's maybe two or three times as much as the first one, but it's like half as good. Yeah. And it's all, it's all cut around these characters you just don't care about. And it's a big, it's a big bummer, especially at the end there. Cause that scene where Godzilla shows up and the music cue hits, like I perked up. I was like, "All right, it's about to go down." And then they charge and they kind of like hit each other, and then it like cuts to something else. And I'm like, "Oh, it didn't go down. We have to go back to these stupid fucking people and whatever the fuck's going." On. You, you know, it went down. It, it was it to was the street where Kyle it was Tomlin a bummer. <laughs> it was a bummer. But um, I do think that you know somewhere some you know some eight year old kid is going to see this on Netflix or something or like a sleepover at his friend's house. And like, you know, it's going to blow his mind, you know, and uh, maybe turn him on to, you know, these kinds of movies and stuff. But for me, as someone who's seen a lot of Godzilla movies and a lot of just big monster movies in the last few years, you know, you get movies like Pacific Rim, which I thought was pretty good and Rampage, which I actually like Rampage. That's a fun movie. It knows what it is. Um, There are like, there've been like, you know, I don't know. It feels like, you know, five or six of these movies in like the last three years or something. So like you've got to like, you know, compete with that kind of stuff. And I didn't feel like it competed. I mean, I, I liked the, the, the scale of the monsters and how, you know, treated them with like respect and like, you know, gravity, but, Oh, I just wanted, I wanted more of it. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's so simple. The two things you have to do when you're making these movies, number one, have scenes of the monsters fighting each other for at least two minutes uninterrupted you know it's two minutes is might not seem that like that long but it's a ton of screen time when you actually look at it but like at least do that and number two uh have a scene where one of these monsters comes to an undestructed city and just lays waste to it and again that doesn't even have to go that long that can go off for like one minute or whatever because it gets a little redundant but like and those are easy, relatively easy things to accomplish. And this film doesn't accomplish that. And and it's also like it's like two hours long, and there's like so so much other shit. And it's just like guys, you're not seeing the forest for the trees here. Just show us the monsters fighting each other, and show them blowing shit up, and like get the characters out of the way. Get you know for Kong versus Godzilla, it, towards the climax, you got to get the characters into like walking up on a hill like overlooking a hill or a cliff mode where they're like they've resolved their story and they're like mm-hmm. whoa let's see what's going on with the monsters and they climb up the hill they look over the thing and they're looking at the monsters and they're like oh 
wow, what's what's going to happen next with the monsters, you know, and <laughs> and watch them fight and have the focus, yeah. the A story be their fight. It's, yeah. it's every Honda movie, you know, and it's just, uh, it seems so simple, but like, apparently not. And like, make the characters interesting. Give them like, either if not relatable jobs, at least interesting jobs that just kind of like make them like believable kind of culprits in the overall plot, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, in Mothra versus Godzilla, we've got like two journalists and a scientist. Right. And they're up against uh, an evil tycoon and they're aided by two little girls who are six inches tall. It's like, you know, it's fantastic, but it works. Right. And even in that movie, if we're going to talk about sequels okay moth godzilla had what three movies up to that point um mothra had one movie up to that point they spend a decent amount of time still building things up in that movie um and it's okay because the characters are the human characters are compelling enough um and there's just uh, enough uh good writing to keep us interested like oh i want to know what happens next you know you don't have to shove in crap, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Well, you, you can't make one of your main characters a thirteen-year-old girl who's an accessory to genocide. <laughs> genocide. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it makes them because these same themes have come up, like in um, uh, Tokyo SOS again. Um, yeah. uh, did some of these ideas similar but better? Where, like, the twins were saying, like, no, you shouldn't be relying on, you know, evil technology. Mothra will protect you. Something like that. Um, That way you can get this idea that, like, okay, mankind has its faults. Uh, We need to turn towards nature as opposed to radioactive um, (laughs) nuclear weapons. Yeah. Um, Sorry. And the, you know, having Serizawa set off that nuke, the whole thing of, like, setting off nukes to like wake them up and make them more powerful seems like a total perversion and misunderstanding of like the original intent of the original film and like absolutely there's just tons of totally inappropriate shit going on in every crevasse and cranny of the script yeah women treated women treated poorly the the concept of like nuclear radiation and its effect on the earth being reversed um, yeah, uncompelling people and uh, poorly choreographed monster action. Yeah. So uh, difficult, difficult to recommend. Um, yeah. I do feel like they were suffering from some of the things that, you know, movies like um, The Mummy with Tom Cruise or uh, even Iron Man 2, where I do feel like they were trying to cram a lot into you know basically just a sequel to Godzilla where they just they they were trying to or or uh um the um Dawn of Justice you know where they're just you know trying to world build so much stuff so fast and it's just kind of a mess yeah and um they try and take it like they try and play it all real serious and it's like it's just not it's not that fun um i don't know it's not it, it's not an enviable task uh, trying to orchestrate something like this. Um, but I really feel like, I think they should have done it the other way around. I mean, if they wanted to do, you know, 
King Kong versus Godzilla and then do bring in, you know, every other monster for like the the main because right. this feels like the climax yes. of this series you know yeah, this I mean, is this uh, is like they, they went straight to you know justice league after one movie you right. know um At, th- like, i don't know that's that's uh professional wrestling like, booking 101 you don't have <laughs> you know the battle royale before like the yeah the and, and it's it's thing. warner brothers you know like warner brothers you just did this you just <laughs> did this you know like god Whatever. Well, it's this the sad fact that everyone has tried. They've seen Marvel success, yeah. Um, which yeah. you know, for the most part, w- you know, was pretty good. And I'll say when um, uh, what you when the last Avengers movie came out, it Thank was you. for a three-hour movie, well paced, and I felt uh, for the most part well earned. Like yeah. I got a little tripped up towards the end because we had time to care about everybody. <laughs> Yeah, and right. I, I, that's yeah. that's a good point. Like, I I also want to say for the record, I really enjoyed uh, Endgame. So it's not yeah. like we like don't like these big effects movies. We do when they're right. well done, but that's not what this was. Yeah, we like movies when they're good. <laughs> uh, that's our new tagline. Yeah, you know, uh, I mean, I, I look, I I love like a good monster movie. I, I love Tremors. I love like even dumb ones like Deep Blue Sea or, you know, um, I I don't know. Um, I liked uh, Kong Skull Island. I thought it was kind of a mess, but I think there are so many like great moments in that movie, you know, like there's a lot of fun stuff. Like the, the monster battles in that like are phenomenal, you know, like he actually uses you know, weapons. Uh, yeah, like the final battle between him and the, the the skull crawlers or whatever they're called, like that, that's like a legit like action you know sequence. You know, it's like an action fight. You know, there's choreography. You know, it's fun to watch. I mean, I mean, if like I still feel like no one's really touched um, what Peter Jackson did like 15 years ago in King Kong when King Kong fights the three like T Rexes or whatever. I mean, that that probably goes way over the top, but um, you know. But you know what's I, happening. In I, that. Love, I, I love I like, love that. Sequence, right. We're, you know? we're if anything um, being spoiled in that sequence. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, no, that, and that's a perfect example of like when it's time for Godzilla or sorry, when it's time for Kong to fight the three uh, V Rexes. Yeah. The, the movie just stops and he just fights them for and, like fifteen and minutes. That's what you watch, <laughs> you right. know, and that and that's that's it. You know, it's not like they're cutting back to. Again, Kyle Chandler, also in King Kong. Um, no, you know, he's not around. Um, whatever. Yeah, Kyle Chandler is like the nexus of all this. I don't know what's going on here. Maybe this was like the secret climax of early edition. We should watch that movie. Check it out. Track it down or on super, Daily Motion. Super bad, or not super bad, Super 8. Uh, super 8. Kyle Chandler. Hmm. Super 8. Yeah, yeah. Re- remember he's the dad in Super 8 where he's like, where are the kids? <laughs> um, his, his face is getting a little too puffy for him to keep coming back and doing like the dad thing now. He's 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 approaching like Gerard Butler levels of face puff <laughs> oh, at <he's>... this point. <laughs> and it's, uh, <laughs> it's getting, things are getting rough. <laughs> Angel has fallen, looks like, uh, wow. There's a lot. Can we just talk about the Angel has fallen trailer for like 45 minutes? Oh, were you talking about Gerard Butler? I thought you were talking about, uh, yeah. Okay, never mind. Yeah, Gerard Butler. 
the guy from yeah, the he, he, 300. He definitely looks like he's uh, been you know stung by a bee or something. <laughs> yeah, someone someone get him how, the EpiPen. <laughs> how how is it that those the the Gerard Butler movies the the Angel Has Fallen? How is it the CG gets worse in each one of those oh, movies? Oh yeah, well it's because they you keep know? cutting the budget. Uh, it, it, it's like so the last one was half of the other one and this one is a half of that so it's yeah. like a sub like sci-fi channel like asylum mockbuster like yeah and they like and they use a lot of cg too it's not like a little they're always just like <laughs> let's figure out ways to come up with these action sequences it's like 90 percent green screen and let's have some you know intern like whip it together for a tuna right. fish sandwich like it looks bad like it's angel has fallen has roughly double the budget of like a modern day Brian Bosworth movie. <laughs> and I'm not sure if Brian Bosworth is still making action vehicles, but. <laughs> and you know uh, what? I, I will see it on day one and it'll be better than this piece of shit. <laughs> I'm just going to wait till it comes out on crackle. I yeah. mean, additionally, I need my commercial breaks. Additionally, uh, some comment must be made. And this has just turned into an angel has fallen podcast trailer podcast. Now at this point, but Morgan Freeman, the skin tags on his face, it's approaching, like, it's the same mathematical equation as, like, the mustache on Sam Elliott's face at this point. It's like, it's in five years, Sam Elliott's going to be all mustache. The skin tags on Morgan Freeman, something has to be said and something has to be done before, while there's still some of his face left. Um, <laughs> we may have gotten off track, but it's easy to do when you have to keep coming back to... Yeah. <laughs> Godzilla, King of the Monsters, 2019. Um, we have to end this. It's, uh, yeah, it's late. So, uh, I, I think we've heard our closing thoughts on that. That's what that last 20 minutes was. Um, ben, uh, any... Any parting words? Any, uh, I guess, I, I guess I can sort of say that Ben and I have sort of a upcoming sort of super secret, super sexy, strike that, it's not sexy, uh, super cool, there it is, uh, project in the works. People should, should watch for that. Uh, some, some, some neat things going on there. Nate, obviously you are and I are trapped in the hellscape of having to continue uh, <laughs> review these films. <laughs> uh, we are the Godzilla Pod War Hour. Um, you can find us on Facebook at the Godzilla Pod War Hour or on uh, Twitter at Mike Kelly at Godzilla Pod War. Uh, we are on Podbean. We're on Apple Podcasts. Um, subscribe to us on that. Review us. Comment on what's happening here. What has happened. What has happened to us. Um, and uh, you know, keep it. Uh, keep interacting. I guess. Any any parting words, Nate, or anything? It's June. No one should watch this movie. Go go to Pride. Get drunk. Make out with the stranger, and then block their number the next morning. Yeah, it's the way of things. Do it. That's the way you need to do it. That's fun. Uh, uh, ben, any, anything left to wash your hands of this? <laughs> you know, um, I, I, I'm a fan of Adam Wingard, so uh, I will be watching uh, Godzilla vs. Kong. Um, 
we'll see how that goes. Um, but I'm less excited than I was before. Yeah, it's just um, it's just another like blockbuster. You know, if you missed it, just see the one next week, and it'll be pretty much uh, the same. Kyle Chandler and uh, Millie Bobby Brown are in the next one too. Great news. <laughs> Hopefully, one of the seeds features King Kong fighting Snuffleupagus. Shows again.